A big welcome to those uh, who are visiting, as has been said, but also welcome to those who are joining us online. So great to have you with us, whether you're listening by podcast or watching by video. It's great to have you as part of the Connect Church family. And if the messages have blessed you in any way, do write to us and let us know. Hey, church, can we say a big hello to those who are watching or listening online? You know, this week I actually got a call from Pastor Prem at Connect Church India. He said, could you video conference me now? I, I, I want you to call me now. It was afternoon, our time, morning, their time. And it was India Independence Day when they got freedom from the British. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, uh, but he's like, can you, can you video conference me now? So I quickly sent a link and we, we, we did that. And what I found was we were opened up to all this group of people. They were all gathered outside ready to celebrate their Independence Day and their Connect Church t-shirts, which they've got on, and, and they were just saying, and so I was going around saying, hello, praise the Lord, praise God, hallelujah, uh, to everyone there as they were about to celebrate that day. But not only that, after praying and just they, they stood in the street, prayed, whatever, after they did that, then they went out and cleared about a block, or I think about, they said about a kilometre around the church, and you got to understand, these are narrow streets, traffic going, rickshaws, me, 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 you know, it's a busy, uh, busy place, and so they got it. They went in, and it's an Islamic area too. They're the only church in that uh, place. And so they've had their own issues with that. But the fact that they got out there, stood in the street, and then decided to clean the whole area up. So I thought, come on, that's a pretty amazing job. And so I, I got to cheer them on at the beginning of it so because I called them and I could say, you guys are doing awesome. You guys are doing amazing. It's so great to see what you're, uh, what you're doing. But what I want to do in all the services, I want us to stand up now. And we've just done this. We've taken a video. And I just want them because tonight, this is the beauties of technology. Tonight, they'll be having their service. And I want to send a video of all of us people. Come on. Yes, yeah, stand up, stand up. Uh, some of you are like, what is he? Yeah, there, stand up. Uh, so I want all the services. So they're going to see all three services clapping hands and going, you guys are awesome. They're a part of our family, been a part of our family for, I don't know, 25 something years. And so it's pretty cool that they're doing that. And I love to see the influence that Connect Church is having there over in this place. So I'll say something and then we'll all clap like crazy people. Ready? Hey, Pastor Prem. Oh, okay. I haven't even said, okay. Just tell me. Say action, action. Hey, Pastor Prem, Pastor, and get your finger off the phone, Mason. Okay, start again, start again. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go, yeah. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, Pastor Prem and Connect Church India, we are so excited to see what you guys are doing, your outreach and everything there. Very, very special. We want to just say that here at Connect Church in New Zealand, we are celebrating you. Well done, guys. Come on, let's say it. Well done. Yeah. Woo. Amen. All right, sit yourself down. Sit yourself down. Hallelujah. Great job. Well done, guys. Well, recently, Anita and I have returned from uh, Israel. As you know, we joined what was called the Jerusalem Encounter Tour. So this is part four of four parts where we've just been talking about that experience. Because people have asked me, how did that impact you? What difference did it make in your life? And if I was to use one word, I'd probably go context. Context, because you start to understand the context of stuff that you read in the Bible. You don't know where it is, but suddenly when you're there, you get to understand, oh, that's 
that's where that was. That's where this happened. Like places like En uh, uh, Gedi. En Gedi is a place in the Bible. You might have heard about it. But En Gedi is a place where, where David tried to escape from, uh, not Goliath, but from Saul when he was being chased. It's in the desert region. There's nothing uh, there. But in En Gedi, there is a spring. There is a, a water that just comes out of the ground. And it, it's an amazing place. And of course, if you know the story, he hid in the caves of En Gedi and Saul tried to find him there. In fact, it says in 1 Samuel 24 verse 1, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 men. Like he was after a man. He was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush this dude. Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men in the crags of the wild or caves of the wild goats. And you can go there today. And I just want to tell you, the goats are still there, not the same ones. Okay, that's, that, that would be a miracle. But the, but, but the goats are still there. That's the place that they uh, hang around. You can actually see them. They're standing on the road as you drive, uh, drive past. And also as you go there, you can see the caves. Like as you start walking up towards the spring, wherever you go, all over the hillside, there are caves. There's a cave, there's a cave, there's a cave. And then, look, another cave and another cave. And it's like you can understand how they could have uh, hidden in that place. Now, if you know the Bible story, it says Saul had to go and relieve himself. What does that mean in Bible language? It means he had to go to the loo. And so he went into one of those caves and what he didn't know is David's men were hiding there in the back. And so they're like, this is your chance. Go kill him. Go kill him. And, and, and of course, David says, no, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And if you remember the story, he cuts off a piece of his robe while he's going to the loo. Awkward. Come on. But, it, but, but he cuts off a piece. And after Saul goes back out of the cave, David stands up and you can see the height of that place and stands out, yells down, hey, Saul, I could have killed you, but I didn't. I could have killed you, but I didn't. And you can see how all of that kind of place, and this is where Saul says, I'm not going to pursue you any longer, man. You're a more holier dude than I am. You've spared my life. You could have killed me. You could have taken me out, but you didn't. Then Saul went away. Pretty, pretty cool. But this is the actual place that happened. So when you go there and you get the context of that situation, it just, just blows your mind how those, all those things can kind of happen. And so we're looking at taking a tour there next year. If you want to come along, we'll let you know. We're talking to people in Israel to see how that can happen. But again, this is a wilderness place that in Getty Spring, it just comes out. The water just comes out of the ground. It's amazing. It's just there. And there is, let me, under, let me let you know, there is nothing there. This is the Engedi. It's just part of the water that's coming out of the ground in the middle of the desert. When I say desert, I'm talking desert. I mean, there is nothing there. You've got to understand this is wilderness. It is hot like 40 degrees. Nothing grows there. That's the Dead Sea out in the uh, difference, but that's all right there in the Engedi Spring. And so you can understand streams in the desert. As a deer panted for the water, so much soul longeth after you because there's no water in the desert except in these places. So you can understand why Saul was there. So again, context, context, context. Now, today, if you've got your Bibles with you, I want to read a story from John chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your cell phones with multiple versions of the Bible, you can turn to those uh, as well. But I want to read something from John chapter uh, five. We're going to be talking through John's gospel. Now, gospel just means good news, by the way. Gospel just means good news. It's the good news. The gospels are the good news about Jesus. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all those Gospels are talking about the story of Jesus. But by the way, if you look at them, all the Gospels are different. All the Gospels have different events. The events we're talking about is only mentioned in one Gospel today. 
only mention one gospel. And of course, some critics of the Bible will say, well, that proves that they're fake because they're all different. Well, the reality is, if they were all the same, then you'd say they were copied, right? Then you'd say, oh, you just copied it. That, 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 no. So, so how, do we, how, how do we bring to, if you like, resolution the fact that the Gospels are talking about Jesus, but they're all the same story? Simply, perspective, perspective. Now, in our modern day Bibles, it just says Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But if you look at the King James Version, which is the Bible Jesus used. Okay, that's just a joke for someone not too sure. But it will always say the Gospel according to John. In other words, this is John's perspective. This is what John saw. If you watched an incident happen last, you watched the rugby last night, I'm sure. Yo, yo, we won. But if you look at that rugby, you said, someone said, write down what you saw. Many of you, although you saw the same game, will write different perspectives of that game. Different things would have stood out to you in that game. So it was the same game, but you've just got a different, it'll be the game according to Xavier, the game according to Mason, the game according to Nat or whatever. So it's like, I don't even know if you watched the game, Nat. She did, she did, she did. So so, uh, so, uh, how many know they did better than last week? I mean, that's, uh, thank God for that. But um, uh, uh, th- this is the thing, it's the different perspective. So we are talking about a story that only occurs in the gospel of John. So John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there for an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. If you are reading from a Bible, you will notice that there is no verse 4. It goes verse 3 and then verse 5. Verse 3, verse 5, because they've taken verse 4 out because they believe it was inserted at a later date. So most Bible versions won't have it. It'll go from 3 to 5. And he, Do you want to get well? Sir, the envelope replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Lord, bless this word. So John chapter 5 verse 1, it starts off by saying, Sometime later, Jesus went up. Remember, you always go up to Jerusalem. You always go up to that place. You don't go down. You never go down to Jerusalem. You always, no matter which angle you come from, you always go up. To Jerusalem. Only a couple of times in the Bible do we hear about Jerusalem coming down, if you like. That's from Revelation, both in chapter 21, where it talks about, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God. Or in verse, tw- tw- uh, verse 21, uh, sorry, chapter 21, verse 11, it shone with the glory of God, Jerusalem coming down out of 
heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. You always go up to meet with God. Now it says this, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Now we, of course, talked about the Sheep Gate last week. You remember the Sheep Gate in Jesus' time is now called, you can go there in Jerusalem, see it today, and the Sheep Gate is now called the Lion's Gate, set up by Solomon the Magnificent. What a great name, Solomon the Magnificent. He set it up, he built it, he put two lions there, but I don't think he realised the symbolism of that when he did that. Jesus, of course, approaching John the uh, uh, Baptist. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But Jesus was not only a lamb, he was also a lion. We talk about the lion of Judah. He is coming again. He is victorious. He's not just the lamb that was slaughtered. He's the coming king victorious. He's not, come on somebody, I need some amens in that. This is our Jesus. And so it's saying somewhere near this gate, this is the gate where all the beasts were taken. It's called the sheep gate because they used to take all the animals in for sacrifice that was uh, uh, required in the temple the blood sacrifice. But we know Jesus was our sacrifice. Amen. We know that He has made a way where there seemed to be no way. So it is near this gate that it is said that these pools are there. Now, this gate also has another name. It's known as Stephen's Gate or St. Stephen's Gate because this is where Stephen got stoned. Now, just for the young people here, I'm just trying to help you out here. We've got to be clear when we're talking about stone. Oh, is this kind of cool? That's kind of cool. I didn't know that was in the Bible. No, it's a kind of different, uh, different thing. We're not doing some Rastafarian thing here. Come on, somebody. So, so we've got to understand when it talks about Stephen getting stoned, this is the gate where outside they believe St. Stephen was stoned to death, by the way. Stoned to death. Remember, he saw a vision of God. They, t- they took him. They pers- he was the first martyr of the Christian uh, faith. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, it says they dragged him out of the city. They didn't drag him miles away. They just dragged him outside the gate. Just dragged him outside the gate. Didn't want to do it in the city. Dragged him outside the city and began to stone him. And he laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who was later... Paul, thank you for all three of you who knew that. Come on, so this is why we're going to learn and go a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper. It's Saul who became... Uh, Paul, and he was stoned to death. And it says, somewhere near the sheep gate, this Bethsaida pool is located. So many people have said, of course, over the years, over a thousand years or so, that the pool doesn't exist. It's not there. It doesn't exist. We can't find it. There's no sign of it anyway. People said it's just metaphoric, that John just made it up. When he's talking about the five uh, uh, porches that were there, he's really talking about it's just a picture of the five books of the, of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's just trying to sort of build a picture there. That was all until the 1900s when they actually found the pools. They actually, someone dig, dug somewhere like in Jerusalem, you dig any where you find something, right? So they started digging and they found the pools and you can go to those pools today. They exist, they know these are the pools and they know it's near the sheep gate. It's about 50 metres from the actual sheep gate and so they know these are the pools. Not only that, there are tiles in this place that actually have human uh, uh, hearts or pictures of human hearts, human lungs, different things. So you can understand this was a place where, where healing took place or medicinal, these were like regarded as medicinal pools at that time. So it's kind of cool. And so it says here that a great number of disabled 
people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one man who had been there for 38 years, it tells us. So Bethesda, what does that mean? The word Bethesda means house of mercy or house of grace to some scholars. To other scholars, they say the Hebrew or Aramaic word of this, but Bethesda, the word Hesda, actually has dual meanings. It can mean, yes, it can mean grace, it can mean mercy, but it can also mean the exact opposite. It can mean disgrace. It can mean shame. So which one is it? They don't know. It could either be house of grace. It could also be house of disgrace, house of mercy or house of shame, house of grace or house of disgrace. It could be, it could be either or or both and. And that kind of makes sense in a way because you can, you can understand that it's a place of grace where those who needed healing could get healed. But also it could be a place of disgrace. And shame, because you've got to remember, in that time in the world, those people who were gathered there, those who could not move, the crippled, the invalid, the untouchables, if you like, they would be ceremonially unclean. They would be unclean people. It would be a place of also disgrace. It could be a place where people didn't want to go. That's where the outcast lives. That's where the forgotten goes. That's where the unloved hangs out. That's where the people who are no good for anything go and hang out. That's where the beggars go. That's where, where, where but man, what good are you? You can't even move. It's that kind of place. But you know what I love about it, whether it means grace or mercy or disgrace and shame? The fact is that our story captures Jesus there. And that place of shame and in that place of grace and in that place of hardship and that place where people are forgotten in that place where the people are unloved and that place they found Jesus there. He wasn't avoiding it saying, I want to hang out with the cool people. I want to hang out with the nice people. I want to hang out with the thing. We find Jesus in that place. You might be feeling forgotten, friend. You might be feeling like you're stuck. You may be feeling, come on, I'm preaching right now. You might be feeling like you're, you're, you are so far out that you're unclean. You're ceremonially unclean. I can't come. How can I bring myself? God, nobody else knows what I did, but you, you know what I did. I may be ceremony, but in that place, in that place where people felt lost, where people felt useless, Christ was there. Christ was there. He's not avoiding it. He's not avoiding your shame. He's not avoiding your pain. He's not avoiding or that He is there in the midst of it. Good preaching. Amen. Hallelujah. You've got to understand this is our Jesus and that you can find grace even in a place of disgrace. Yeah. He is there right. in the midst of that situation. Can I hear amen. an amen? It says there was one man who had been there a long time, 38 years. That is a long time. That is older than some of us have been alive. I couldn't say that in the 8 a.m. service because many of them have been alive a lot longer. It was like... But, but, but you guys have been longer than many people have been, uh, been alive. 38 years this man had been suffering. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? You might think, what a weird question. But because I've been a leader now, I don't think that's a weird question at all. I've been a leader a long time. So I, I've just realized not everybody wants to get well. People want to share their problems. People want to share their thing. They don't necessarily want to fix their problems. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the guys in the other services. Come on, somebody. I know you guys have got it sorted. But I, I find as a pastor, you know, people want to get saved, but they don't want to change. Oh, come on. I know. I'm talking about other people. 
It could be that person behind you. I don't know. But, they're, they're, uh, but I'm, just, I'm just saying we, 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 we want to get saved. We want Jesus to save us, but don't change us. But I want to tell you, he can't help but change us. He can't help but work. So, so I understand completely when Jesus is asking that question, do you want to get well? Because that guy had been there for 38 years. You, you, you get to figure out your system. You know how your morning goes. You know how your routine. I come, don't mess with me. Don't mess with my comfort zone. Don't mess with my routine. I can't come into church early. I've got to have my coffee. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, come on. I mean, don't mess with me. Don't, don't mess with me. And so I gotta, uh, don't mess with my routine. We want to get saved. We want you. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. But don't change me. Don't shift me. Don't try to make, don't, don't try and do anything. So, so I understand. I, I, I sometimes as a pastor, I say very good. Do you actually want to get well? Because I, I, I can say 50 things. You know, why don't you do this, 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 and this. And then I asked him too. He said, did you do any of that? No. Come on. It's got quiet in here. Come on, somebody. It's just like, that was awkward. That's not in my notes. I just threw that up for free. Come on, someone. It's like, do you want to get it? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? 38 years. I mean, this is a struggle. Some of us can't handle pain for 38 minutes. Come on, somebody. We can't handle stress situations. This guy's been living like this for 38 years. We can't handle 38 days of stress. This man was done. He said, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. That's the verse that's removed. It says an angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters that's taken out because they think it's a pagan thing that's been inserted. And extra, I don't know, the experts know all that. That's why there's no verse 4. It's taken out. He said, well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else gets down ahead of me. They believe that when the water was stirred, the first one to get in, you know, last one in's a rotten egg. It really was. You know, I was just like, you, you got no show. Here's the paralyzed guy. He's not going to get in, right? So if he gets in, so for 38 years, he's been waiting for his miracle. Friend, how long have you been waiting? I've been waiting 38 minutes. Come on, God. Well, son of sons, we've got to wait. And it can take a while. But then Jesus said to him, after 38 years of waiting, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I don't know. I always think of Bob Marley. Get up, pick up, stand up for your land. A different song. Okay, a different song. It's that Rastafarian thing going on. But then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And walk. He was healed. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now it says, the day that this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man, here's what they said to the man who had been healed. It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. I don't know if his name was Pat. Why are you carrying your mat, Pat? I'm just, I'm just coming out. I'm just coming out with him. Now we're going to talk about the fact that the Sabbath is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. I've explained it's a big deal to the Jews. It's a big deal to the Jews even today. You have the Shabbat or Sabbath elevators. It's a day of rest and they don't want you doing anything. So you've got the Sabbath elevators. You go into a building in Israel on the Sabbath and you try and push an elevator button. You'll have Jews, uh, Orthodox Jews, they'll just stand outside the elevator. They will not go in. They won't push any buttons. They will wait for the doors to automatically open. And then when it goes in a Sabbath elevator on the Sabbath, it stops at every floor so you don't have to push the button. Because you don't want to push the button, that would be work. And so it just keeps going up. You imagine if you're on the 40th story of a building, it takes a long time. 
to get home. That's the Sabbath. That's how important it is. I was talking to someone else who spent some time in Israel, and he was talking about even paper clips. He's like, again, and people know this, even Jews will say this, where, where there's two Jews, there's three opinions. Come on. I mean, they will argue, they will talk, they will debate things, but they'll even debate things like which side of the uh, piece of paper should a paper clip go on during the Sabbath? We want to get it right. We don't want to break the law. One time, uh, the people whose dinner we, house we went to to have dinner on the Sabbath, we were talking about what does the Sabbath mean, and they were in the old city of Jerusalem in the Armenian quarter. They said they came out one Sabbath and they found a like a brand new iPhone. I mean, it was just sitting on the on a wall on the path on St James Road inside the old city. So, why is this brand new iPhone? It just looks like it's being placed there. Well, sooner or later, the owner showed up the next day. Who's an Orthodox Jew? They're like, "Why'd you put it there?" He said, "My wife was pregnant. She was having a baby." And it was looking real serious. And so I'm, you know, trying to get it outside the old city, getting the ambulance and all, all that kind of thing. And he said, on the way, we realized it was not as serious or as urgent as, that, as we thought it was. And so realizing that, I don't want to break the Sabbath. And so they don't want to carry anything to do. They don't carry money. They don't carry any, uh, anything, any merchandise, whatever. So they took it and he just put his iPhone down on the ground, expecting to come back the next day after the Sabbath was over and pick it up. That's how serious... Who would do that with that? Oh, no, no, none of you would do, uh, do that. I mean, but that's how serious they take it. If you drive in Sabbath in Israel, there's no cars. There's hardly any cars. You might see a few taxis or whatever taking people uh, uh, to the airport. But apart from that, there's no cars driving. And if you drive in the Sabbath, during the Sabbath time, and you drive through an Orthodox area, they will literally pull out stones and they will throw stones at your car. No one's going to punish them for it. No one's going to do it. But they will dent your nice, nice little car because you're breaking the Sabbath. So it's a very serious thing that they take very, very serious. And so they said to this man who's carrying his mat on the Sabbath, they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you breaking the law? You're breaking the Sabbath. Why are you doing that? And he replies this. He says, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, and look at this response here. I don't know, it blows my mind. They asked him, Who is this fellow? Who is this dude? Who is this man who told you to pick it up and walk? Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a very odd question. If someone has been suffering for 38 years, that's a long time, 38 years, you would think instead of going, who told you to carry the mat? And why was the guy even carrying the mat anyway? Maybe it's because God didn't want him to go back to his life. Maybe God is just like, this. you're not going to live here anymore. You're not going to stay in that place anymore. But, but, but you got, the question was not from these from these, uh, I, I know, teachers of the law, the question was not like, whoa, you're healed? Hey, tell, are you saying for 38 years you've been sick? For 38 years you've been paralyzed? For 38 years, I mean, this is incredible. Who set you free? What's God done? This is amazing. Who delivered you? Who's changed your life? That was not their question. They didn't even ask him. They didn't say, whoa, you got healed. Hey, why are you carrying your mat? They didn't even ask him about it. They didn't care. They just said, who told you, what fellow told you to carry your mat? Not, not, not who healed you or, or, wow, this is incredible. We need to call the newspapers and make a story out of this because this, this is amazing. But they, they, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. 
See, here's the thing, and that's what I don't want you to miss. If you forget everything else I said, remember this. They were so fixed on the mundane that they missed the miracle. They were so fixed on the ordinary that they missed the extraordinary. That they, they were so fixed or focused on the mundane thing that the guy was doing that they missed the miracle. They missed what really mattered. They were too busy maintaining the mundane, maintaining the ordinary, and they forgot what was really important. I want to tell you today, don't forget what's really important. In Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus said this to some other leaders there. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus was saying to him, the Sabbath is a tool, not a master. We are in control of it. It is not in control of us. But because they were so fixed, so caught up, so focused on the mundane, they missed the miracle. And I want to say to you today, don't miss the miracles that are happening around you because you're too lost in the mundane going-ons of life. Ah, it's raining outside. Oh, this day's going to be dumb. Oh, there's nothing to do. Now, I don't know who I'm imitating, but it's just like, but it feels like that. Come on, we've all been there. I'm like, oh, it's going to be so boring today. You know, duh. I hate it. You know, why can't we do something? You know, and we, 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 we talk like that and we miss the miracle because we're looking at the mundane things. We're looking at the ordinary, but we're, we're forgetting that we are surrounded by a miracle. You said, what miracles, Pastor? Like the miracle of a baby being born. Like the miracle of a baby. I mean, I just got my grandson. He was in the last uh, 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 service. But I mean, he, when baby, listen, I'm just telling you as a dad, when the babies arrive, you're like, I am holding a miracle. I am holding, I mean, Grace said, I'm holding a miracle. What do I do with this? Come on. So it's just like, but I'm like, we're holding a miracle. We're holding a miracle. The fact that God knit this child together in the mother's womb blows my mind, the human eye. I mean, you're a miracle, right? Well, some of you are not too sure. I mean, you're, you're, you're a miracle. There's nobody else like you. Your, your fingerprint, your eyes, your, 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 your hair or lack of it. Come on, somebody. I mean, there is nobody else. Like you, you're a miracle. Turn to the person next to you and say, even you, even you. You are a miracle. You've got to know that here today. Don't get so caught up in the mundane that you miss the miracle that's happening all around you. I was pulling out of the car park and on Friday. And as I was pulling out of the car park, there's these four kids, I don't know, 13, 14, whatever, are scooting around on their little scooter things and I don't know if they knew I was the pastor or whatever or whether they'd seen me or whatever, but as they're scootering past me, they go, Jesus Christ isn't real. And, and that's like, uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm just getting in my car in the car park. I'm like, a scooter guy. I mean, who is it? Now, that's like a red rag to a bull, right? So for, for me, I just got in my car and I, I, I gave chase. No, I didn't know. They were just, they stopped over there. I got in my car and I drove over to them and I said, which one of you said that? And they all went and pointed to some guy over there. He scooted up. I was like, mate, how, 
How can you say that when you, I mean, you've got to think about it. When you say things like there's no God or the, uh, that God isn't real or Jesus, I said, you, you really have to, like for, for a start, I said, just think about the world that you're living in, that you're sitting on a ball spinning around at 20,000 miles an hour that floats in space, then you don't fall off. It's going around a big burning ball of fire that's burning uh, like that. You have to explain that. And I said, if you don't believe in God, please tell me, how did something come from nothing? How did, how, where, where did we come from? Because if there's no God, how everything has an effect. So, so, so what's, the, what's the cause of the effect? You tell me, I believe there's a God who created it, but you tell me, how did something come from nothing? I mean, it's a, 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 again, now I don't know if I scared those children. No complaints of me in there. But I just couldn't help. I was like, I don't know if he was doing that to me to make me uh, think, but I was like, oh, I'm going to say something to you because people just think they miss the wonder. They miss the wonder of what we're, we're, we're part of, the miracle that we're... And I want to say to you as believers, don't miss the wonder. Don't miss the fact that you're part of a miracle. And as I start to think about the fact of the, the cosmos, even that, and I know I've shared this, I don't know, a few years ago, but again, it's worth repeating about the, the, even the universe that we, we live in because we're like, oh, it's just a, such a boring day. It's not boring, people. It's not boring. See, we are moving. Here's, here's something I want you to understand. Here's some research for you. This is not me saying it, not good. These are facts. We are moving along in this orbit, you and I right now. This is happening right now. We are moving along in this orbit at almost 30 kilometers per second. Everybody say that's fast. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your toupees. That's coming. That's going. So if you want to know how fast that is, that's just over 67,000 miles per hour. We're moving like at that right now, and our hats are still on. Come on. And, and, and it sounds fast, but it, it gets even faster. Our solar system is tucked away in the arm of the Milky Way galaxy. Our galaxy is rotating, and we are rotating around the galaxy center at about 220 kilometers per second. 220 kilometers per second. That's pretty fast. Our Milky Way galaxy is part of a cluster of galaxies and is referred to as the local group. Together they are cruising through space at an astounding 1,000 kilometers per second. Yeah, I, th I think I'll preach to you, dear. You're excited about some of you. Are you sure? The universe that we live in, the universe that we are living in is at least, at least 150 billion miles across. Actually, that's a mistake. I've left out a word. It's 150, correction, 150 billion trillion miles across. I left out the trillion, little, my mistake. There are an estimated 125 billion galaxies in the universe. There are estimated 200 billion stars just in our Milky Way alone. Using our most powerful telescopes, our viewable horizon, I mean, what we can see is 14 billion light years wow. away. But the estimated universe horizon is 46 billion light years away in any direction. Don't say you're not part of a miracle. That's right. Come on. Don't say that, man, just to say ordinary today. No, no, you're not. You, you've got to understand every flower that grows, every... Uh, uh, you know, every child that is born, you are part of a miracle. This earth we live on, the, uh, that we are part of, you yourself are a miracle. And it's amazing. Don't miss the miracle. 
because we become too familiar. Don't miss the fact. Don't get, get so caught up in the mundane of your life. The everyday things. The things that uh, uh, catch us and bore us and whatever. And, and miss the miracle of what God has made available to us. Live like you're living in a miracle. Someone said we need to give God the same place in our hearts that he holds in the universe. And we do. We need to give him all glory and all praise. Come on, why don't we do that right now and thank him. The incredible world. It's an incredible world that we, we live in. And so Mike encouraging the worship team can come is don't get lost in the mundane. Don't miss the miracle that's happening all around you. I said a couple of weeks ago that, that life is lived out in valleys. We have to look at valleys as bad places, but valleys are good places. We, we think of that scripture, you know, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death and oh, valleys are bad places. No, valleys are good places. Valleys, people don't live on the mountains. They meet God on the mountains, but you don't live on the mountains. You don't live on the mountains here. Nothing grows on the mountains, but in the valleys, things grow. It's where rivers flow. The soil is the best. It's where crops grow. It's where trade routes are, uh, are made. They're always made. No one builds roads. You go up into the mountains. That's where you meet with God, but you don't stay there. You always come down into the valleys. And life is busy in the valleys. There's problems. There's issues. There's things. Because that's where we do, do life. Don't miss the miracles in your valley. Don't miss and forget all that God is doing on the mountain when you're walking through the, 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 the problems in the valley. Don't miss the miracle that He's doing around you. If your parents don't miss and your kids are driving you up the wall, don't miss the fact that these kids are amazing. When I think about those who don't have kids or those who, who are trying to have kids and can't, well, you'll know then that the baby's a miracle. You'll know then that I'm part of, when you can create together. I mean, it's just, woo, blows your mind. We are part of a miracle. Don't, whatever you say, oh, that's boring. Don't get caught in the mundane. Also, don't focus on the little details of like, am I, am I walking this way correctly with God or what's God going to say? No, no, just live your life. Just do life. Have fun. Don't get stoned, just so they make it clear. Yeah, just as I had to clarify that again in the Greek and the Hebrew, and that's in every language. Come on, don't do that. But understand, understand that, that, that he, He's given us life so we can live it. And live it not just a little bit, but live it abundantly. So live it. Don't get lost in the Monday. As we close, I want to make sure and remind us that Again, that word Bethesda. It can mean grace or disgrace. Either or, both and. But what we do know, Jesus was there. The very master of grace, the very God of grace was there in a place of disgrace. He was there in a place where, where the untouchable was, where the, where the unclean was. And maybe you're here today and you're going, man, I'm unclean. Friend, maybe not for 38 years, but for... For 38 hours, man, something happened yesterday. I did that and I messed up or I did that. And you go, I think God's going to forget me. He's going to abandon me. No, He's there in your disgrace. Come on. He's there in your problem. He's there in your pain. Come on, preachers, preaching. He's there in those places. You 
might feel, well, I'm an outcast. No one will love me. He does. He's there. He's there. And he would say to you today, it's time to get up maybe for you. You've been paralyzed for too long. You haven't been moving. You're saying, look, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get out. I've been stuck as I am for for whatever length of time. I want to say to you today that Jesus is saying, get up, pick up your mat and walk. It's time for you to move. Stop saying I'm stuck where I am. The God of grace is here. The God who is able to heal you is here. The God who is able to take the person who's paralyzed and loosen that up so you can walk. The person who can't move and say, man, I'm just so messed up. There's so much shame. There's so much this on my life. That same Jesus is here today and is able to help you move into your destiny, to help you get up and pick up your purpose in life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank You, God, that we can seek You today. And not just seek You, we can find You. Because of what You did on the cross, we can meet You here today. You've made a way. And so today, Father God, there'll be people here today. Maybe they're feeling unclean. Maybe they're feeling like, man, Unloved, and maybe they're feeling like, no, God doesn't care about me. I want you today, God, to remind people here today that you're in the midst, you could be in the midst of their shame, in the midst of this, and you are there to heal them. You are there to cleanse them. You are there to wash them. You are there to make them whole. So if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I think that's me. I think I'm in a place where I just feel like, man, God, I've just messed up. I've just got things wrong. I'm far away from God. I've stuffed up here. I've stuffed up there. And you're saying, I just need I just need the, the cleansing power of God. I just need God's voice to be spoken over my disgrace. I need His washing and His cleansing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're saying, hey, could you pray a prayer for me? Could you include me in a prayer? If that's you and you're saying, I'd like prayer just to be washed, just to be cleansed, just to be renewed. Would you just put your hand up now wherever you are and just saying, you're just acknowledging God, saying, that's me. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on. You know you need, you know you need, don't let something muck around with God. You know you need to get right with Him today, even today. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Okay, slip those hands down. We're going to just pray this. I'm going to just pray the prayer over you. Why don't you just put your hands out? In fact, why don't we stand up right now? Just put our hands out. Like this. Lord, your word says all of us are like sheep who've gone astray. All of us, each to our own devices. We do things that you don't want us to do. Even Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do do. That's the, that's the, he's like, oh Lord, who will deliver me? The thing is you, Jesus, deliver us. You have made a way where there seems to be no way. So I pray for every person under the sound of my voice today. Father God, that needs cleansing, that needs washing, that needs to be made whole, that needs to be made clean. We thank you today that because of, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done, we can be made whole today. So I pray you would wash by the blood of Jesus. Bring, cleanse, wash as white as snow. Take away our sin that we would bear it no more. We burden you with what burdens us. We, we hand it over to you at the foot of the cross that we would be cleansed and whole, washed and clean. 
so we can walk out of here free and whole. To every person here today under the sound of my voice, I say, pick up your mat. That place where you'd been residing, that place where you got comfortable, is not to be comfortable anymore. There's a place God's saying, I'm wanting to move it into something better, something greater. So pick up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I want you to settle somewhere else. I want you to build somewhere else. You're no longer going to be paralyzed. You're no longer going to be unable to move. You're no longer going to be a person who's, who, who, who is stuck. From today, you've got a new place. You've got a new place you're heading to. Oh, I don't know where it is. I don't know exactly where it's going to end up, but you've got a new place to go what God is doing. A new direction. No longer are you going to remain paralyzed. You grab hold of all God said. So I pray you do that in every person's life today. Let that know your healing power. And friend, I want to tell you too. Don't walk out of here and, and, and pick up the same problem you left. Don't walk out of the door and pick it up. We've left it at the foot of the cross. It's there, it's gone. Walk out of here free in your spirit. Free because Christ set you free and He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Somebody say, I receive it. Come on. I receive it. Come on, let's honor King.